I noted you said you started this in 2017 and it was going to be a three-year commitment. (laughs) If I look at my calendar, it's 2022. Yes. Hunger is somehow not acceptable to us, to anybody that we speak to, Mm -hmm. right? In today's time, there's really no need for hunger to exist. There is so much food wastage, inequity and lack of access. And these are issues that are so complex that while government works on that, we as a community still need to do our part. And that is why we we can't seem to disengage because mm. hunger is still a big issue here. Welcome to Elevating Voices, Ending Hunger. I'm Amy McReynolds, your host and Chief Equity Officer at Feeding America. Elevating Voices Ending Hunger is a series of conversations with individuals who are disrupting the status quo and building more equitable futures to improve food security across the country. On today's show, we welcome Anna and Raja Sava. After raising their family and closing the chapter on successful careers in the corporate sector in 2015, Raj and Anna began writing a new chapter of their story with a focus on family, travel, and philanthropy. And while they knew about what hunger looked like in their home country of India, they were completely unaware of what the issue of food insecurity looks like in this country, let alone in their own community. Join us in conversation today with Raj and Anna, where we talk about what they've been doing to raise awareness about food insecurity and how they are enrolling others in this movement to end hunger in our country. Anna and Raj, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I'd love first, uh, as we get started, if you could tell us just a little bit about yourselves. Tell us who you are. Uh, Thank you, Amy. Um, Good to be here. And uh, let me give you a little background about myself and Anna. I came to the United States in 1974, 48 years ago, uh, from India. And I landed in Michigan and uh, started my career immediately as a dishwasher. And I had to start right away because my dad sent me to United States on a fly now, pay later ticket. Ah. So the day I landed, I was already in debt. <laughs> you had to begin to pay up. Exactly. So with that, you know, as soon as I landed my first job, I started working and paying my debt uh, of my fly now, pay later ticket. And once I was uh, done with that debt, which took me almost two years working uh, 12 hour days, seven days a week shifts, Mm. you know, and once I was done paying that, I started uh, going to college and um, immediately knew that computers is the area that I wanted to uh, work in. So with that in mind, I made a career in uh, computer science and um, fast forward In 2010, I retired as the chief strategy officer for Ross Perot at Perot Systems. And uh, my lovely wife, Anna, uh, she joined me in 1982. Yes, we got married in 1982 and I came to the U.S. as well. And um, my initial years were, you know, kind of taking care of the family. We had two kids. After that, I started to work. And in 2000. 
2009, mm-hmm. I left a company called EDS, mm, yes. Data Systems, Yes. Um, when it was bought by HP. That's about the time when I decided to quit corporate life and do something more meaningful, which for me would have been uh, engaging in active philanthropy. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity to talk about Hunger Metal, but I'm also curious, how did you learn about the issue of food insecurity in this country? So let me address that by first sharing with you that in 2009 and 2010, when Anna and I retired, we took a stock of our lives and we said, you know, at this time in our life, at this stage in our life, what do we want to do? And both of us have been inspired by a discourse by one of the gurus from India. We heard him speak a couple decades ago. And there were three words that he mentioned in his discourse. And those were, human life is best lived in three stages, learning, earning, and returning. And those three words resonated with us. It was a simple way to look at how to get the maximum out of life because life goes through multiple stages. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wrote an article on that whole topic. But Anna and I, at that time, when we took a stock of our lives, we f- clearly felt we were in our returning stage. Our two boys, they were both grown. They were both off of our payroll. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were both, uh, you know, uh, working and uh, uh, contributing uh, citizens of the country. So, we felt that we had three priorities in our lives at that stage. And those were, we wanted to spend more time with our aging parents and family members. Okay. We wanted to travel and see this beautiful world that God has put us on, hmm. not just be stuck in good old Texas or just United States. So we wanted yes. to do more of that. And then thirdly, we felt we were, really in our returning stage. And returning doesn't mean only writing a check. Returning means, in our perspective, returning is uh, giving back in the form of not only materially, but our experiences, our knowledge, lessons Mm -hmm. learned, mistakes made, uh, you know, our network to the next generation so that we can provide them with a better, richer platform to launch from. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to do more concerted uh, effort in figuring out ways to do meaningful returning for the next generation and for the society that actually played a big role in shaping us in who we are. It almost sounds like the way you talk about returning, that it creates a new cycle for people to learn as well. Oh, totally, totally. Because it's so different from what we are kind of tuned into our entire working careers, and now you become free and you look at, okay, how can I employ all these resources into something that's even more gratifying than corporate careers were? Yes, yes. So we were basically, from 2010 onward, put all of our effort around those three things. So we were attending all the family functions, spending a lot of quality time with uh, family members, you know, and parents, here in the United States as well as in India. And we traveled and saw different parts of the world uh, every year. But uh, and philanthropy-wise, our philanthropy focus was primarily in 
you know, known causes here in America, like March of Dimes, uh, walkathons, and things of that nature. And a large part of it was focused back in India, because in India the issues were several, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were also very visible. Mm-hmm. You know, from hunger to education to poverty. I mean, it was just staring at you. Yes. So we uh, we also all looked at it that our dollar went a long ways in an emerging country like India. Mm. So majority of our philanthropy was focused on causes in India. But interestingly enough, all of that changed in 2015. In 2015, I was having lunch with our local mayor and uh, he asked me to support his backpack program. Mm. And when I, I thought it was some kind of a marketing gimmick. And um, when I asked him what exactly is this backpack program, he says, Raj, I'm talking about backpack filled with enough food for a child to last for the weekend. Ah, I was shocked. I immediately said, oh, you, you mean for the... Uh, you know, downtown areas, the rough neighborhood, the food deserts. He mm-hmm. said, no, 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 I'm talking about uh, Plano, which is one of the richest cities in the country. He's saying that the schools where my children went, our children went, the school where his children are going. I came home and I told this to Anna. And of course, Anna, first thing she says, Raj, you're getting too old. You know, you didn't hear him right. <laughs> But it sounds like it was deeply impactful in that moment. Like, you have to investigate it this. It was. And it was uh, actually pretty incredulous first mm. because, you know, we look around the community we live in. Hunger is not visible. That's right. Right? That's the right. the school, the parking lot at the school that our kids would go to, there were better cars there than the ones that we were driving. So it was almost like a, you know, what is this hunger? Where is this hunger? Our friends never talked about it. So it was like, okay, you know, we really need to do some digging here. Yes. Yeah. So one one of the things that Ross Perot taught us, you know, and Ross Perot is, um, uh, God bless his soul, uh, amazing leader that this country had. And uh, having worked for him, you know, he was a man of one-liners. And one of his one-liner was, if you ever want to find the truth, bring all the liars in one room. (laughs) (laughs) So we both felt that we need to really get to the bottom of this. You know, is hunger really an issue in Plano, in North Texas, in United States? So we invited the Plano mayor to our home for dinner. We invited uh, the food bank leaders to our home for dinner. I had I was on the board of uh, a physician's organization, Indian mm-hmm. physician organization. So I asked them to come to uh, come for dinner because I said if hunger is an issue, it'll eventually translate into health issues. So That's right. you need to listen to this. So they all came over here and and they heard the food bank talk about the stats that eight hundred thousand people in this rich community, uh, rich county, were food challenged. Uh, one in six North Texan was struggling. One in four school-going children did not know where the next meal is coming from. So we were totally shocked. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing, uh, uh, Amy, is that PowerPoint slides, you know, the first two slides will shock you, but after a while, 
you know, your mind kind of, your eyes glaze over and then mm-hmm. you kind of tune out. So one thing that the food bank executive did was at the end of the presentation, she pulled out a backpack and she passed it around. Mm-hmm. And as we looked in that backpack and we saw those small boxes of juices, milk, the granola bar, the yes. system seed packet, there was not a single dry eye in the room that night. I mean, we were all shocked. Everybody wrote their check, but that night was a transformational night for us. Mm-hmm. Anna and I couldn't sleep. We figured that, you know, we were first of all shocked that hunger was such a big issue here and we didn't know about it. Yes, such a hidden issue, the shame, the stigma around it. Right, like, and it it was hunger in a form that we did not recognize. That's right. Right, because coming from a different country in India, like Raj said, hunger was everywhere around us. Very visible. Very visible. visible. And here, learning that a person living in a house like ours, next door in the same community, could be actually hungry, it was mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they are struggling to make choices between mortgage, medicine, and food, and food is the one that typically suffers. So... We at that time said we need to really get engaged on this. And at that point, we started taking active role with the food bank. So I joined a couple of um, uh, like little groups, influence groups they had at the food bank. They called it the philanthropy council. Okay. And that way I got to know more. You know, we got deeper knowledge into what the issue was, how big was the issue, the contributing um, reasons. And we learned about the Feeding America network of food banks. Can you believe it? I mean, we kept shaking our heads that we had been in this country for so long Mm. and we did not know about the magnitude of the issue nor the magnitude of a response that is being created. Yes, yes. So, you know, as we learn more, we volunteered more, we donated our time and resources more. And each time we came back from a volunteering shift, we would look at each other and say, why are there not more people like us mm-hmm. who looked like us in the volunteering shifts? Because we live in a community that's, that has a very large Indian American population, very affluent group, very social group. But nowhere in our social gatherings did hunger ever come up. You know, that wasn't something that we talked about. And then it dawned on us that just as we were unaware, perhaps the community is unaware because hunger here comes in a different form. Right. So then then we started to work with the food bank and uh, the new CEO of North Texas Food Bank had just come in. So we approached her with an idea. Yeah, so basically at that time, after, you know, in the business world, we call it the due diligence. So after we were done with the due diligence, which was to first validate that hunger truly is an issue in this prosperous country. And secondly, what was the solution to that issue? And we were convinced that Feeding America and their network of food banks are doing an outstanding job in the most efficient manner to ensure that everybody across the country in every zip code has access to nutritious meals. After we were done doing our due diligence, 
we basically wrote our check of $100,000 and took it to the CEO of North Texas Food Bank. But we also proposed to them because we did not want to be one and done. We proposed to the CEO, Trisha Cunningham, that we would love to stand up a community affinity group. She said, what is that? I said, basically, it dawned on us that just like Anna said, just like we did not know uh, about the hunger issue around us, very likely our other friends in the Indian American community do not know about it. So how about if we give three years of our lives to you know, raise awareness and engage the community in the fight against hunger? Mm. She loved that idea. She said, this is something that uh, we have never done and uh, will be unique. And she said, let me get the heck out of the way and you guys go at it and tell me how I can support. <laughs> well, and, and, to, and to know you wanted to make that three-year commitment too. Right. That's right. And Raj and I were very clear from the get-go that there was no need for another organization to be stood up. Yeah. Right. There were enough organizations who were working in this space and we picked the one that was the strongest and most sustainable and we said, okay, let's put our strength behind this organization. You know, let's just strengthen them. So Hunger Mitao is what we called our movement. And we keep emphasizing it's a movement because it's not a registered 501c3. It basically connects the community with their local food bank. So with, with our backgrounds, you know, mining strategy, Anna's in the process side, we were able to bring our corporate learnings to first and foremost create a robust hunger metaw strategy. So we clearly knew that for us to engage the community, we have to raise the awareness of the hunger issue and the magnitude of the hunger issue right here in North Texas and across America. And then once the awareness is raised, we anticipated that the community is ready to engage. And if we don't have ways to engage them, we will lose them. So we identified three ways in which they could engage and make a difference. And those were uh, the food bank clearly needs a lot of volunteers. So we wanted to increase the volunteering activity from the Indian American community. Second, you know, obviously our food bank here can provide three meals to a dollar largely because a lot of the food is donated food. So we encourage our community to do more food drives. As Indian community, we have lots of celebrations, lots of festivals. Mm. I mean, not a week goes by, there is there is a festival that, uh, you know, and in these festivals, you know, we don't need more flowers and more sweets. And, uh, and for celebrations like uh, birthdays and anniversaries are housewarming, we don't need more bottles of wines. So we are trying to change that mindset that, hey, as you are celebrating, how about also, you know, uh, putting a jar of peanut butter aside that can be given to the food bank. Right. So we are encouraging people to do more food drives for the benefit of the food bank. And then, of course, we are explaining to people that why does the food bank needs funds? Because one thing we like about the food bank model is that food bank is not trying to just put food in the bellies of the hungry people. It is actually ensuring it is nutritious food that is giving that is being made available to the needy. And for that, 
the food bank actually has to go out and procure fresh fruits, vegetables, right, uh, protein, right. etc. Right. So for that reason, and then they have to also distribute that to the pantries so it can be closer to the clients. So when we explain that to the community, they understand that and uh, they are willing to write their checks as and when it's needed. So um, we also talked about one other way that people people can help us, uh-huh. right? Because all of this engagement hinges on the fact that they are aware. That's right. Right. So awareness is one to of start. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So that's our key. It's in every messaging that we put out. You know, are you aware this is happening around you? Are you aware that the food bank does this? And are you aware that you can actually help? Well, let me, let me share with you the power of awareness. We launched Hunger Mitao on September 29, 2017 at a friend's home. Okay. Uh, some of the board members from North Texas Food Bank were there. Community leaders were there. And at that launch, we made a commitment to the food bank that the Indian American community will enable 1 million meals. Now, how do you go about enabling 1 million meals? Well, the very next day after the launch, Anna and I started doing awareness sessions. Whether it is two people at Starbucks or 20,000 people at the football stadium, mm. we went and spoke about the hunger issue, the you know, the, the face of hunger being different in this country and ways in which the community can get involved. And we must have conducted over 100 awareness sessions just in the very first year of Hunger Mitao. And you'll be happy to know that the word got picked up and the community, once they learned about the hunger issue, they stepped up to the plate. And in just seven months, we crossed the first million meals. That's fantastic. That is, that's amazing. And I'm wondering, what challenges did you run into in just creating greater awareness about the issue of hunger in this country? So I, I would put challenges in kind of two buckets. Okay. One of the challenge was to create awareness of food insecurity around us. This conversation becomes a bit challenging. On the surface, people see overweight and an obese population. Yes. And they almost always equate it with prosperity and plentiful. Mm -hmm. Right? Then there's also this perception that we have enough governmental programs to take care of those who are in need. Right? So just talking to people and kind of helping them peel back the layers and say, okay, yes, you know, you see somebody who is overweight, but malnourishment also results in weight issues. Yes. We have to keep reinforcing those messages. Um, You know, we did see the stunning images of long lines for food assistance during the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. That helped shine a light on the issue, Mm -hmm. and we saw communities respond. But the attention of media has now shifted to other issues. And many people either forget about insecurity or uh, forget about food insecurity or they assume that hunger is no longer an issue. Right. So that, that, that is a challenge. It's an ongoing mm-hmm. challenge to make people aware. And then from a hunger mitao movement perspective, you know, yeah. we are also running into 
challenges. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I mean challenges is uh, par for the course here. Um, you know, we have made a huge strides in the hunger meta movements, right? Uh, in we, over the last four years, you know, through Feeding America and the Food Banking Network, we have been able to you know raise over forty million meals. The community has definitely stepped up and uh, is ready to take on uh, this uh, issue and uh, and join forces. But, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, communities as such, not just the Indian American community, but communities as such, you know, there are different causes that are pulling at them. There are yes. different agendas that people and organizations have. So it becomes like herding cats. You know, you have to kind of continuously work with the community <laughs> to make sure that, they don't forget about hunger. They could be addressing other issues, no problem. But we have to keep educating them about the hunger issue, about the progress that is being made, about the new challenges that are coming in this space. So we find that at a hunger mitao movement, it cannot be simply, you know, raise, do an awareness session once and then they are on board. Mm -hmm. No, you have mm -hmm. to continuously work with them continuously educate them make sure they don't drift away yes and and you know I, i'd like to think that as i am a hunger fighter right that this mm -hmm. issue is solvable i want to feel like i'm working towards solutions mm -hmm. and moving towards something and i can imagine others do as well yes yep yeah. and I, actually you know we we call these challenges but therein lies opportunity. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. We see tremendous potential uh, because even engaging the wider Indian American community, I mean, that opportunity is huge. But the challenge there is from a hunger mitao perspective, you know, we are a pure movement. We are not a 501c3. Mm. So for us to scale and to strengthen this model, we need more resources. More hands on deck. Yes. We are in such critical need, Amy, of more volunteers mm -hmm. who can be passionate activists and leaders in their own cities. So how are you all tackling that? That's a big challenge for this movement. It is. So currently, Hunger Mitao, uh, you know, is at eight food banks across the country. And uh, fortunately, we have had local champions who have stepped up and uh, they have become the face of Hunger Mitao in their neighborhoods, in their mm -hmm. cities, mm -hmm. and interfacing and working directly with their food banks. And Anna and I, we play the role of mentors to, you know, we are always available as a sounding board, as a guide. And then we also ensure that certain principles of Hunger Mitao that have been laid are not uh, what's called... Um, Diluted. Diluted, right? I For see. example, 501, no, like we want to continue to be a movement. We do not want to create another 501c3. It may have some benefits, but our our goal is to engage the community directly with the food bank rather than a pass-through or rather than going to yet another organization. Yes. And that's yes. something, yeah, we are very, very strong proponents of that. Because there's really no need or no room for another organization here. Yep. Right. So, so this this deep connection with the food bank that already has the infrastructure in exactly. place, right? And you all are are building the people power, right? When I think about 
engaging people and volunteers and uh, being able to think about food raising and fundraising that that's people power that this movement is helping to fuel. Yeah, right. very well said. And, and and Amy, if I may just kind of step back a little bit at the get go, we worked with the Indian American community primarily because we come from India. We had a large uh, personal network of Indian friends where we had influence and we also wanted to put boundaries around a certain community that we can work with. Because if it is purely of raising awareness, well, Feeding America and food banks are already doing that for everybody. We just wanted to work a community at a time. So we figured that if we can prove this model of raising awareness and engaging the community in the fight against hunger through the food banking system, then this model can be replicated to other communities as well. Yes, definitely. Because that was the intention. If it works for one discrete community, mm-hmm. yep. there's no reason why it cannot work for another. And and we've been uh, blessed with, our, again, with our corporate background. From get-go, not only we had a clear strategy, we also templatized everything that we did, our awareness documents, our website, and, and we made it into what we call in the technical world, open source. Mm, so if mm-hmm. any other community is interested in it, they don't have to start from scratch like we did. They could run away. They could take our model. They could do cut and paste and and uh, they could be up and running in a very, very short time. And last year we proved it because the Chinese American community here in North Texas reached out to us and they said, hey, we want to engage our community in this wonderful, important cause. And we worked with them. And in a matter of weeks, we had them up and running and, uh, and we played the role in the background as their mentors. And this has been a very successful replication of this model to another community. And we have other communities having seen two communities engaged in this fight against hunger through the food banking system. We have the Latin American community. Uh, we are working with them currently. Hope to share some good news in the near future. And good. we believe that uh, other communities mm-hmm. will uh, find it a natural way of getting their community involved in this. Yes. What what I, I love about what I've learned about Hunger Metal and the movement here is that um, there is um, it's it's there are some principles, but it's not prescriptive. But there mm-hmm. are some principles here, right? The four pillars that you talked about related to hunger metal right. and how each community engages in that and implements that, and really thinks about how they connect with one another, is mm-hmm. really the the determination of that community. Absolutely. Yep. I'm curious, lots of work done. I noted you said you started this in 2017 and it was going to be a three-year commitment. (laughs) If I look at my calendar, it's 2022. Yes. So I'm curious, what have you learned about yourself through your involvement with Hunger Metal? Why do you keep going? Well, hunger is somehow not acceptable to us. And I, I, to anybody that we speak to, Mm -hmm. right in today's time, There's really no need for hunger to exist. There is so much food wastage, but inequity and lack of access, and these are issues that are so complex that while government works on that, 
we as a community still need to do our part. And that is why we we can't seem to disengage because mm. hunger is still a big issue here. Yeah. Well, another reason we can't disengage because since we are a movement, you know, we need other leaders to step up and somebody who we can pass the baton to. Mm-hmm. So we actually encourage community members to get more involved and those who have deeper passion and have time and resources mm. to get deeply involved, we are ready, waiting, and welcoming them to come in and, and we will lead share the all the information movement. and they could lead the movement, they could be the face of the movement. Yes. Because one, one thing, again, going back to our corporate America learning is that succession planning is very key. You notice that it, this is called hunger mitao, not Raj and Ana. Uh, anymore. <laughs> right. You know, so this is truly a community affinity model. It brings pride to the community and we encourage community members to step up and, and take charge and come up with their creative ideas and help the food banks in getting food to the needy. So, so Amy, we are looking for leaders, yep. but that doesn't mean that Raj and I are pulling our support away. Our resources are still earmarked yes. to this cause, but uh, we would love for others to kind of become activists and give this movement their own colors. Yes. We, we often say uh, within Feeding America that this is a leaderful movement, mm-hmm. right? A, a, yes. a movement full of leaders, not just a few. So it sounds yeah. like that is what you are also looking for, right? To be able to continue to spread uh, the movement, to be able to share leadership, to be able to have greater impact. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, you know, uh, okay, so 2017, we're now at 2022. If we were to look out 10 years from now, what what do you hope to see happening? What will be happening as a result of the effort you, Raj and Anna, have put into this work? You know, I, I would say that, you know, as as a human being, you just wish that this problem did not exist. And hopefully in the next 10, 10 years, you know, we have uh, good minds have come together and figured out how we can ensure that when we are producing, you know, more than enough food to feed every hungry belly on this planet many times over, you know, hopefully we will eventually come up with a a true model that will ensure that food is one thing that human being on this planet will never have to worry about. That is a vision, that's a hope, uh, that's a desire uh, will it happen next 10 years? Will it happen in our lifetime? We don't know. However, but we do see a lot of organizations working in this space, and that is encouraging. I, I would love to see 10 years from now um, a unified approach, mm. right? So organizations are not working in silos because hunger is not just a lack of food. There's a lot of other issues that need to be addressed. Um so, you know, if these wraparound services kind of work together, I feel we'll be able to also shorten the line, not just feed the line. That's right. That's so right. that's one thing. And 
Another thing I would love to see, hopefully less than 10 years from now, is more and more discrete communities kind of including hunger relief in their everyday kind of, you know, it becomes part of their DNA. Mm. Because if there's one person hungry in the community, that's one too many. We can we may not be able to get rid of the underlying causes, but we can make sure that person is fed. You know, one other interesting thing, uh, Amy, is that having since we are working with so many food banks, uh, you know, and when we do our research about those food banks and we look at their strategy, community is always an important segment in everybody's strategy. Yes. So I believe that community plays a very integral role And in fact, I would even go as far as saying that community plays the last mile role Mm -hmm. in the uh, fight against hunger because the government can do so much, right? The the food banks and Feeding America can do so much. But unless the community steps up and declares a war against hunger, saying that hunger is not acceptable where we live, hunger is not acceptable in our neighborhoods. Yes, yes. I I love this idea about community. Um, To me, thinking about community is really all about equity because not every community, right? Not every population is impacted in the same way. Mm -hmm. And not every community and every population experiences food insecurity at the same rates, right? So being able to really uh, set the uh, community context Mm -hmm. at the center of what the needs are in that community and develop a response. I would say, I I think, yes, definitely last mile. I might even argue first mile, right? Let's hear (laughs) what folks in the community really want and need to be able to uh, move out of food insecurity as well as address uh, root cause issues of food insecurity. So I, I am all about community and I know many members across the Feeding America network are, and we are talking to community-based leaders all season long here Hmm. on Elevating Voices Ending Hunger. Raj and Anna, I I can't thank you enough. This has been such a great conversation today. I deeply appreciate the movement that you've created. I'm glad that you have um, decided three years was not enough and (laughs) that you continue to be involved and mentor and think about other leaders uh, making room for other leaders in the movement. And I just really appreciate you all coming on today to share your story, um, share your needs, and share your plans for the future, your dreams for the future with us. Amy, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. And uh, thank you for giving us um, the chance to speak with so many more people than we do today. Hopefully, some of your listeners will be interested in creating their own community affinity model. And we would love to have that conversation with them. And everything that we have is available to them as well as our time. I was going to ask, where can folks go to find out more information? Uh, They can go to uh, hungermitau.org. And uh, we didn't explain this, but hungermitau is a combination of two words. Hunger, all of your listeners know what hunger means. Mitau is a Hindi word, an Indian word, for wipe out. Mm. So hunger mitau means wipe out, and it's spelled H-U-N-G-E-R-M-I-T-A-O. Right. So it's wipe out hunger. Yes. 
Uh, I can get behind that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Great. You know, one thing I'll say in my closing remarks, Amy, is that, you know, when people look at the Hunger Metal movement, we have heard them say to us, this is the most logical thing. Why mm. didn't I think of it? So my request to listeners is that regardless of who thought of it, folks, the movement is there. It's up and running. You know, jump jump on this, on this train and then let's make sure that we are accelerating towards our goal and heading in the right direction. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Elevating Voices, Ending Hunger. To learn more about the Client Leadership Council and the Capital Area Food Bank, visit www.capitalareafoodbank.org backslash CLC. And to learn about the work that Feeding America is doing to address equity and food insecurity, visit feedingamerica.org backslash act. Thank you to our podcast producer, Rivet360. And don't forget, share the show with others and be sure to subscribe so that you can get new episodes as soon as they are available. I'm Amy McReynolds, and I look forward to continuing our equity journey together in our next episode.